Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, my loves, and welcome back to the Spiritually Sassy Show, where we're redefining what it means to be spiritual in the modern world. I'm your host, Sadi Simone. I'm a mystic and artist, transformational speaker, author, and the creator of the Somatic Activated Healing Method. And I'm so excited and grateful that you're here. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And remember, my sweet loves, my sweet corn, my sugar plum, my cutie pie, Please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. That really, really matters to keep the momentum of the Spiritually Sassy Show alive and well. So please do all the things and share with your community, share with your friends, all right? I love you for that, and I'm so grateful that you're doing that. Thank you, thank you. Listen, today's guest is Krista Williams, honey, okay? Krista Williams is a spiritual and wellness thought leader. She's the co-founder and co-host of Almost 30, a top 50 podcast, global brand, and loving community created to raise the collective consciousness. Chris and I have known each other for years, but we quite never really like hit it off. We quite never like really went deep or, or exchanged more than like, hey, nice to see you. Hi. Hey. Like, you know, like we were always in each other's orbit because of our close friends who are because of our mutual friends. And I I was like lurking on social media and in one of her posts came up about this epic, legendary, really scary thing that she had done that I had initially heard about this really scary thing when I was living in Bali. And I was like, damn, girl, you did that shit. We got to talk about it. And that was how we, we reconnected because I was like, okay, I, you know, I, perhaps I was like not really seeing, you know, the fullness, the deliciousness, the entirety, the wholeness of you. I was caught up in my own perception, but Hey, this is delicious. We we're, we're walking together through this craziness that we call life. So I won't share what that is. Cause you got to listen to the episode, honey, but she did a really, really scary thing. Like, it's really scary what she did. And to put yourself to, to consciously put yourself, like sign up for something like this. It's like, what is even happening? And the choice is for the benefit of all beings, for the benefit of her personal liberation and the way of helping all people to become free. So we got to applaud her for doing this really hard thing. You will hear about it in detail. So get into it. Love you, mean it. Take good care. Mwah! Holy shit. It's Hi. time. Oh my goodness. It's been a minute. We've been trying to do this and we are actually doing it at your house. Which I love. Which I absolutely love. Thank you for hosting my podcast at your house. It's a pleasure. I'm like, come on over. <laughs> I cannot leave every time. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be and here. And so grateful that we're actually able to meet at a time in our lives that our our minds are more relaxed, our hearts are more open, yeah. mm -hmm. 
and we can like see each other. Yeah, really I know. see each other. I was grateful that you said that the last time we met. So Sal came on almost 30 and when you came over, just speaking to the truth of like the projections we had about each other. And I can't even remember because I feel like when I saw you come in, it was like it all dissolved. But we did have ideas about each other. We were like, whatever they were. And now I think the space that you're in and the space that I'm in, we're just so much more heart open and it like has allowed us to connect, which has been so nice. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for crying when I told you about my mom's, you know, dying and death process. Mm. That was like, I was like, this bitch gets it. Wow. I, yeah. I, when you left, I couldn't yeah. stop thinking about it. I want to cry thinking about it. Oh, thank you. That was really meaningful for me. So thank you for that. Yeah. Okay. Let's go into what really called me to be like, excuse me, we need to get you on the show immediately. I was lurking you out on IG and you were just looking stunningly gorgeous as you naturally do on the socials and also in person. Hey, girl, you got your thing going, honey, and it's working. Mm -hmm. And you said... You're talking about a darkness retreat. I was like, excuse me, bitch. Mm-hmm. You went on a darkness retreat? <laughs> like we were, Ben and I were living in this house in Bali uh, in a couple, like a year or so ago. And in the same property, there was a darkness retreat. And Ben was like, I want to do it. I want to do it. I want to do it. I was like, I don't want to fucking do that shit. Mm-hmm. I've spent way too much time in the darkness. I'm not going back there. Fuck that shit. But he was really adamant to doing it. Anyways, we didn't end up staying at the house because there's too many geckos. You know, the, is that what they, yeah. <laughs> yes, like yes. too many of them and they were shitting everywhere. So we're like, okay, we got to move. But hey, we got to experience, I got to like peek into the darkness room and all that. So please invite us in to this process. Like, mm-hmm. why did you do the darkness retreat and, and what the fuck was that about? So I'd heard about the darkness retreat from Blue, from Blue and then Aubrey Marcus. And I remember hearing Aubrey talk about it when we were in Austin interviewing Aubrey. And I said to God in that moment, I was like, you know, God, if this is meant for me, make it easy. And the next day after we interviewed Aubrey, the founder of the Darkness Retreat, Scott, which is in Oregon, it's called Sky Cave Retreats, emailed us and was like, we'd love to have you out. Would you want to come? And I was like, yep, I want to come. I was like, you know, God made it easy. And that's with most of the things in my life that are really meant for me. If they're meant for me, they're going to happen in that way. And this isn't something that it's like, God, if I'm meant to have a Porsche Cayenne, make it easy. It's like, no, God, like give me this portal or give me this teaching opportunity or give me this way of healing or give me this way of being that's really going to up level me, but also is going to be really challenging. So it's not like God's just like handing me things like, Mm -hmm. so I just want to make that super clear. But so I scheduled it and I really feel like I'm always someone that wants to push the bounds of what's possible for myself. So whether that is doing the darkness or doing um, silent meditation retreats or whether that's ayahuasca, plant medicine, any of the things that I've done Being in my life. Being fucking sober. Sober, yeah. What the fuck? Since I was 26. That's right. We'll which talk about that. major, yeah. yeah. So being sober, exactly. And so um, my intention going into it was really to feel the essence of who I am. So I'm someone that is very empathetic. I'm very codependent. I'm someone that very much performs I very much prioritize people's experiences over my own. And I'm someone that can be very, like I can abandon myself very easily. And so I wanted to feel like what it would feel like to actually know that I was feeling me 
instead of feeling other people, instead of feeling the environment, instead mm-hmm. of feeling, you know, the moon, instead of feeling my period, whatever it is. Like there's very few times in our life when we can feel our true essence of who we are. And I also knew at that time I was ending my marriage. You know, I had been married for a year with my partner for 10 years in total. And I wanted to also go to like a grief process, you know, go through the portal that would hopefully help me bring a lot of pieces back to me that I had lost over the years being in that relationship. And it really gave me a space, you know, to I really wanted to have a space to grieve because what I realized through grieving is that you can grieve in community in a really beautiful way. But because I'm someone that's so sensitive to other people, I can't really grieve in the same way when I'm with people as I can alone. I don't allow myself the fullest expression of my grief. I don't allow myself to be held. So I wanted to really grieve. So I went in in October. I did four nights and three days. And it was, yeah, in Oregon, pitch black. And it was the most... um, It wasn't something I'd recommend for many people. I think it was the most, you have to be very mentally well, I perceive, to have gone. And if I hadn't done the work that I've done in my life to get to the point to be able to be with myself and my thoughts, I think I would have not been well. Because you are confronted with yourself in a way that is unparalleled and unmatched to anything else in any other experience. Most people can't be with themselves for five minutes. We have our phone, we have food, we have relationships, we have, you know, the light. You can look at things, you can do everything to avoid yourself and your thoughts. And in the dark, you cannot. Like you can try and work out and foam roll and take naps and take baths and do Reiki on yourself and do all of the things, but eventually that will end and you will have to be with yourself and your thoughts. And it can be really, really scary, but. Um, I was able to befriend myself and be with myself in a way that I'm so grateful for. Mm-hmm. How long did it take for you to sort of acclimate? Yeah. So you, so what happens is, so you get there and you have like a day on site. So you have a day in Oregon. You can kind of be off grid, off your phone, no internet. You can get used to the food, get used to being basically in the middle of nowhere. And then you go in. I went in on a Thursday night. So the first night you have... You end up sleeping a lot, which is really good. So you go in around 6 p.m. I probably went to bed at 7. And because you are acclimating to the dark, your pineal gland is releasing a lot of melatonin. So you actually sleep a lot the first day. So I probably slept for like 12 to 13 hours. And I think it was the first. So I was in that night. Then the next night, you don't really know what time is too, by the way. That's right. But the next night I perceived was when I was like, really like, okay, I'm kind of acclimating, but I think you don't acclimate until like day two or day three where you're almost in a rhythm. And I remember the morning of the last day where I was about to go out of the dark and I had was started to do my routine because you create a routine for yourself. And I was like in the middle of my routine and he came to let me out of the dark and I was almost sad. I was like, well, I finally feel like I've gotten into a routine of being alone Mm -hmm. and now I feel like I've acclimated. But you go in waves where there's moments where you forget that you're doing it. You forget you're in the dark. You might be taking a nap. You might be in the bath and you feel good. And then you could come right out of it with like the moment of like a negative thought or a negative thought Mm -hmm. pattern. Mm -hmm. But you are like, you can't see fucking shit. Anything. It's actually... It's actually feels claustrophobic. It's really hard to describe. That's but right. That's right. Yeah. You're like, so I, 
there was moments where I'd be in the bed and you're in the bed and you can't see your hand in front of you. Your hand would be an inch in front of your face and it's so black you can't even see your hand in front of you. So there was a moment when I woke up from a nap or something and I felt like I wanted the dark off of me. It Mm. was like it was so claustrophobic. It was so close to me. It was on every single part of my body. It was on me so much. I wanted it off of me. It made me feel like insane. Mm -hmm. And it was almost like the darkness was an entity. Mm -hmm. There was another time when I woke up from a nap or a rest and I looked over past my bed and I couldn't see anything, but I almost felt like the dark was looking back at me. And like waiting for me to wake up and kind of waiting for me to be conscious and, Ooh, and sort chills. of, it was crazy. <laughs> like waiting to see what I was going to do, waiting mm-hmm. to see how it was going to work with me, waiting to see like what was next. Because I'm sure in that room there's an energy too, because there's been so many people that have gone through that portal. Layla Martin actually was in the darkness room that I was in right before me. And so I'm sure there's an en- energy or an entity that's also working with you during that time to sort of facilitate the process. But the dark is its own energy. I mean, it's the womb of creation. It's the feminine. It's where all things come from. It's like, it is this thing that we're so scared of, yet is so much a part of us. I'm someone that grew up very scared of the dark. Me too. I always had a nightlight, terrified of the dark, terrified of my basement. And so this was something for me too, where I actually had to be comfortable being in the dark because normally it really scares me. Girl, I still pull up the blanket all the way up to my, to like literally right over my head. And like, it's my nose out. Yeah. Like literally. When I was little, I used to put stuffed animals all around my face and act like I was a stuffed animal because I'd be so scared. <laughs> I would be like, like amongst stuffed I was terrified of the dark for most of my life. Mm-hmm. And this helped me be like in my power and in my sovereignty in the dark because I think I'd be so scared of demons or I don't even know. And so I actually had to learn to be comfortable in the dark too, mm-hmm. which was also a thing. Mm-hmm. What, what was like a, a, a really low moment in the dark? Oh my gosh. So I had the first night I slept really well, woke up the next morning, kind of was like going through the day, foam rolling, meditating, doing my thing. And at some point in time, they come to deliver your food. So the the founder of it comes to deliver your food at one time a day, they check on you. So they'll be like, hey, Krista, how are you doing? They're talking to me from the other side of of my cave. So I'm in like a little cave room. He's on the other side of it. So I can't see him. I can't see any light. I can hear him come though because he'll um, re-set up my fire because you're in this little cave. So you need a fire. You can't see the light, but a fire is on the other side warming up your little space. So I heard him come in and I hear him come and I had at that moment almost been asleep. I was like, oh my God, day one is done. Fuck yeah, I cannot wait. Like, goodbye. I've made it. Because mm-hmm. all for the first day, you just want it to be over. I'm like, my ego was like, yo, I want this to be done. I want to tell people I did it. I want to be like, yo, bitch, mm-hmm. I was in the darkness. I'm a baller. That's <laughs> fucking right. So he comes and I'm like, I'm almost asleep. You know, you're in that in-between phase where you're like, mm-hmm. I'm almost asleep. And he comes and I'm like, this fucking dude is going to wake me up. I'm so mad. And I gave myself permission in the dark. I'm like, I'm going to say whatever I want to this man. <laughs> I'm I'm going to completely be myself. So I was like, Scott, I was like, you can't come late again. It is way too late. I'm about to go to bed. You can't be coming late. And he's like, sweet, it's 10 a.m. He literally goes, it's uh, it's four. <laughs> okay. He goes, Krista, it's uh, four. 
And I was like, I love you for a second. Wait a second. This is too good. I was the whole time. I, in the first night I was like, I think you're a cult leader and this is part of your cult. I'm like, am I here for you, Scott? Or am I here for me? Like I was, because I don't give myself permission like that. I'm like, this is the perfect container. I'm in the fucking cave in the middle of nowhere. I don't know this man. I'm not going to box myself in, in this moment where I'm doing something so crazy. Like that would be insane to be like, Hey Scott, how's your day? Like what a lie. Like I wanted to liberate myself. So I was like, this is a cult. I don't know why I'm here. I'm here for you, Scott. I'm here to prove to everyone. I just went in and he, he knows, you know, he's, he's gone with it. But in that moment, I felt like I was going to go fucking crazy. I was like, I can't even tell you. I was like, wow, I have three more days of this. I'm so unwell. My mind started to go insane. I just, it really realized that I was here all alone in this room by myself with my thoughts. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I was like, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. Am I doing this because I feel like I have to learn through pain? Mm -hmm. Am I doing this because I'm a podcaster and I have to prove by doing these crazy things that like I'm interesting or that I can do it or that I'm different or- Story to tell. Story to tell. Is this for content? Mm -hmm. Is this for content? Like, Am I the myth I say I am? Yes. Am I? Yes. Or am I just like a blonde white girl that wants to be like, actually, I can do hard shit. You know, Mm -hmm. so there's so many things that I'm thinking of, of why I'm doing this and why I'm there. And that Mm -hmm. first night when he left, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm unwell. And then that's when you really have to work on the tools. And I think, you know, a lot of your listeners can relate and you probably can too. When you have those moments of anxiety where you're like, oh my God, Mm. the train has left the station. We are off to the races with the loop thoughts. Mm -hmm. I can't catch them. I don't know where this is going. And you feel it in your body like you're scared. Mm -hmm. You're like, I want to be out of the mind. Mm -hmm. And so... I had to use all my tools, mm-hmm. but that was the first time where I was like, I feel like I'm going to go insane. Mm-hmm. What does the, the, I'm going to go insane look like for you? To me, I'm just going to give you context, right? For mm-hmm. that question to me is like, I am going, I'm, I'm delusional. I am what I see in reality isn't real. Mm. Uh, is this even real? What is it like? It's, mm. it, it has like a texture of like, depersonalization derealization it's like this association on crack aka like a texture of like psychosis yeah like that i haven't i've had little you know i've brushed up against that a few times in retreat so that is what what insanity would look like to me and like with the work that i do at the uh, at the shelter uh here in venice with the unhoused communities i'm constantly in working with engaging with um, you know, breathing with, praying with, moving with, meditating with people who are in these really debilitating uh, states of mind that yeah. um, other people call it insanity. So I just want to invite people into like, what does the insanity yeah. look like to you? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because it could for some people be voices. It could for some people be yeah, images. It exactly. could be body. Yeah. You know, there is so much. Yeah. Um, well, context for that. What's interesting about the retreat is that the founder says that most people feel like they're going to go insane, especially women. They're like, when women go in, they have this perception that they're going to go insane. And he's like, that's like the feeling that most people have, which is a very interesting thing to think about. Um, And women actually end up doing a lot better than the men, which is also very interesting. Women actually crush the darkness. Naturally. Naturally, bitch. Thanks. Because we ain't afraid. We're used to that. Um, So for me, my, my insanity looks like my thoughts 
the negative thought or the voices in my head being the ones that are in control and the one actual true self is not heard. So the true self doesn't exist. And it's almost the fear that it's never going to end, that those thoughts are now going to be in control of me forever and that this is my new reality. Mm. And then I'm going to lose my sense of self, my higher self, the grounded peace that I have. And I've been in that, you know, I've had my family has had a history of mental mental health my whole life and I've been someone that struggled with it so it's almost that fear of going back where I'm like oh man that's gonna be my new reality again like I can't have that happen mm-hmm. oh, thank you for speaking to that yeah it's it's rough so mine's a body thing it's a mind thing it's the heart racing it's I almost feel like I want to jump out of my skin exactly yeah and that feeling that it's never going to end never gonna end the loop thoughts are now part one. of it. Yeah. yeah. I, this is my new, th- this is the new me. Yeah. Hi. Yes. Yeah. And it's not one that we like. Mm-hmm. It's one that we're, we've been profoundly afraid of. And so, and in that moment, there's nothing to do besides have tea with the demon, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I'm so grateful for my work with IFS. So, um, I work with um, internal family systems, which I really love. And internal family systems is, you know, having tea with the demon. Mm -hmm. It's really the belief that we have a pure, perfect, capital S self, the higher self that exists within us. And then we have parts. So what's happening for me in that moment where I feel like I'm going crazy is there's a part of me that is incredibly scared that we're going to go back to that feeling. So how can I work with and tend to and be with that part of me that feels very scared that I will forever feel this way? And really it helps me to unblend the parts of me. So by coming to look at that part of me from a different perspective, I'm able to be with that part. You're able to have tea with that part. And I really love the internal family systems work because it's really helped me to unblend the parts of me so I can really get a handle on what the truth is. Because the truth is that there was something that brought me here. And the truth is that I've cultivated this deep relationship with my self and my soul and my spirit that can't be broken. And Mm. that's really where I can always come back to, to like feel that grounded peace and truth. Wow. Incredible. So the low moment was an invitation to like meet the parts of you that you're, that we demonize, that we pathologize, that we are afraid of, you know, shamed of all the things. Um, And then the revelation. Let's talk about the moments of revelation. Yeah. And I think even, you know, one of the revelations came with the, one of the dark parts because um, growing up in my family, my, someone in my family was suicidal for most of my life. So talked about suicide, suicidal ideation. It was a conversation that would happen in my household quite a bit in, in a manipulative sense and in like a fantasy sense and in just in our conversation. So I actually had to befriend the part of me that wants to exit the earth and the part of me that was like this that when it gets really hard, when I feel myself feeling too much, wants it to be over so bad that thinks that suicide is the only option. And I actually had to really get to know that part because so much of my life I had had the suicidal ideation or thoughts or fantasies and I would just be so overcome with it that I wouldn't be able to see it for what it is and see it for the truth of it is that I was so afraid to actually allow myself to fully feel and feel the despair and feel the grief and feel the depression. And so it felt like I'm going to feel too much. I should end it. 
I'm going to feel too much, might as well just die. I'm going to feel too low, might as well just off myself. And so I had to realize and really come to peace with that part of me that like believes that ending my life or exiting the planet is the solution when things get really hard. And I had to love that ancestral part of me too, because that had been something in my life where I was like, oh, there's a part of me that believes that this is the answer when it gets hard. And rather than being with that, or rather than um, exiling that suicidal part of me, how can I invite her to tea? How can I love her? You know, I love her so much for thinking that that's the easiest solution when things get hard. Like I can imagine for her, that part of me, that exiled part of me, life feels so much and it feels so hard. How can I just be with that and be like, I know it's so hard. I'm with you. I hear you, but like we got each other and we're going to do this and suicide's not going to be what we're going to do, but I hear you on your reasoning for that. And I'm with you through this process. Mm. (sighs) Wow. I just want to offer something to the listener. And as a reminder to myself too, that suicidal ideation and that part of us that is, um, you know, inviting us to take our own yes. lives because it's uh, the, the, you know, the solution to yeah. a temporary problem. It's in using the internal family system and, 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 and kind of developing on it in my own personal way that I've digested this information is that a part of us, it's a part of us that wants to die. Mm-hmm. It's not the entirety of us. Mm-hmm. And perhaps what, what wants to die is a belief system is a habit, mm-hmm. it's a relationship, it's a job, it's, you know, fucking around, and it's, uh, you know, uh, risky behavior. It, it, there's a variety of different things that we are doing unconsciously to kill ourselves, mm-hmm. and then that part of us saying enough mm-hmm. with this self-destructive behavior. So maybe it's it's a, a, a way of shining light into self-destructive behaviors mm-hmm. instead of thinking that it is about you know, taking out your entire self, you're ent- ending this beautiful life that you have right now, even though things are maybe really hard. But it might just be that something's got to change, that a part of you has to die, not the entire thing. Yeah, I know? love that. Yeah. And I also think, too, with the soul, it's like, you know, those perspectives of the soul, like there's probably a part of my soul that has lived in the purity of consciousness and the purity of love and the purity of like oneness, that's like, God, this is just, you know, and then there's the other part of my soul. That's like, I love this shit. I love this hard shit. I love the challenge. Mm -hmm. I love the growth. I love all of it. I love it. I love it. I love it. But I'm sure there's a little part of my soul. That's like, yeah, I just can't wait to get back. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to get back to where I came from mm-hmm. and Thank just have a little so break. Yeah, this like, was so cute. Love yes. you, Nina. Peace. Yeah, <laughs> like we've had fun. We learned our lesson. We're tempted. But, and it's also intrusive thoughts. You know, what are the tr- intrusive loop thoughts that we have that really mm-hmm. come through when the darkness really presents you those intrusive loop thoughts and on like a platter so you can really look at them. What's but, your core wound? Um, Is it visited you during the darkness? I'm putting you in a spot, sister. No, yeah. Ooh. Oh, my gosh. Well, I think one of the... I really realized how conditional I was with my love, um, with myself, and with other people. And I realized, I was like, whoa, I really only love myself when I'm when I look good, when I'm successful, when I'm liked by other people, when I'm performing in the way that I feel like people want me to perform, when I'm 
all of these things and how much I take love from myself when I do that, how much I don't love myself when I'm being these things and then how I do that with my relationships, you know, especially in my intimate relationship that I exited, how often I would remove love from our relationship if he wasn't acting in a certain way. If he didn't say the certain thing to me, if he didn't, you know, do the thing for me, if he didn't, Mm -hmm. you know, take me on the trip or if he didn't like just say the exact thing that I wanted to hear at the exact time, Mm -hmm. then I would take my love away and I just realized how painful that would have been. Um, And so a lot of my grief was around that piece. And then a lot of my grief around our relationship was around how painful it probably was to be with me in the times when I was unconscious and Um, how sorry I am sometimes that as a soul, I've chosen a path that means that I will leave people behind. And I've chosen a path that means I'm prioritizing my soul over anything else. And that means that I'm going to leave people that I really love. What does that mean to leave them? I think, you know, your listeners probably can relate. And I think you can too. Like your soul has a mission here on earth that's very Mm -hmm. specific and Mm -hmm. and mine does too. And so that means that I can't be in relationships that aren't in service to my soul as much as my human wants to be. As much as my little girl and my human has this idea of this marriage being everything and this marriage being something that you can't leave. You have Mm -hmm. to stick with them. Mm -hmm. You know, marriage means you're with with them forever, but my soul knows that there's something else for me in my path and there's another learning opportunity and there's more karma with another person or relationship or place. And so that means that it's going to be very painful, but I'm going to be going through these various relationships and jobs and things in my life at different paces and at different rates than maybe a normal person would. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yes. And What's the process like of like leaving people behind? Like how would, mm-hmm. what would you say? Um, how, what, like the question is about like forgiveness. Yeah. Like how do we bring in or do you bring in um, forgiveness to that process of leaving people behind? I still want to go back to the darkness just for one last second, but yes. let's talk about forgiveness yeah. for a bit. Yeah. Because I, the only reason I'm saying this, Krista, is because yeah. I have a huge big sort of like no no to people feeling like uh, what's that they say sometimes um, like you got to burn a few bridges to light up the way for your own liberation <laughs> or some shit and like there is the, look, I, look there is totally. some truth to that shit totally. but that's not the absolute truth that's not the most high that's not god's call that you know this isn't divinity speaking to you that's your fucking that's unhealed honey. exactly that's, unhealed. that's your own process shit you know like like no girl. burn a few bridges to light the way i'm good on all that and also like i just want to i yes. just want to give the nuance yes. and the context of it because that's not what you're saying at yes. all it's like so leaving people behind it, it is a it is a you know it, it is this like unraveling yes. and unshackling yep. and it's really painful and it and it's sour and bitter but also it's so telling about who we are and what we want to do with our lives yeah. um, and how forgiveness plays a role into that that's right? huge yeah and i'm glad you said that because it's like whenever we say leaving them behind you're kind it's like you assume like I'm peeling off in a, in a, you know, I'm peeling off and leaving them behind. They're losers and they're going to stay at home forever. And it's really like going on different paths. But for me, just that understanding is something that's given me self-forgiveness because in my life I used to really hate myself that I didn't have 
relationships with me for my entire life. You know what I mean? Like I would be like, why don't I have, there's a part of me that feels like a lot of my value would be in every single person in my life being with me for every part of my life. And that I had to maintain every relationship and every friendship. And if I didn't, I was a bad person. That's how codependency works it for me. And so there's a huge part of me that felt like if I don't make this relationship work or if I'm not in this relationship, that there's something wrong with me and that I've failed and that I haven't done enough and that I haven't changed, learned, grown, um, adjusted, contorted, fixed, healed, done all the things to make this work. And so I really had to be with that trust in myself that like I had done enough and like heaven know that I try like heaven knew that I tried God knew that I tried to make it work but I had to end up prioritizing myself which in the end would prioritize them too Mm. so it's like it's not as much like being like moving or leaving someone it's like how can we just be in the deepest truth for each of us and the deepest truth for each of us is that there is an opportunity and option for me that means I am going to have more wholeness and more love for myself on a path that doesn't involve that person in that way. And mm-hmm. they're going to have the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to be comfortable with in my life, not having the same best friends forever, not mm-hmm. having the same relationship forever, like the ebbs and flows of our relationships in life. Because I think for me, it was like, if I didn't, if I had a friendship breakup, it would crush me. And I'd be like, I'm a bad person. I'm a bad friend. I'm the worst. I'm all these things. And it's like, no, in life, people move in and out of your life mm-hmm. for reasons and seasons. And that's okay. Mm, I'm so glad you spoke about this. I'm like, damn, shit. I think I got some of that shit too. Same word. I just, I'm like hearing it, you naming this aspect of like, relationship and feeling like, oh, you know, a relationship, like losing a friend. Yes. It's, you can crush you and friends um, will break your heart yeah and it's i'm thank you for naming that you know because it's it really is and also what i'm also realizing my life too and that's so big for me it's like who do i want with my mother's death and like my guru's death this last week and like now my grandma's unwell and like there's just i'm like shit is this what getting ready to enter the 40s are like it's just like sickness and aging and dying and divorce and people having kids and like, and then you kind of think like, what the fuck is even going on? You know, I'm like, literally like, shit, I'm 36. I didn't like, this is, it's way too much. And, and all of that is making really clear to me, like, who are the people that I want to be in my life? And I messaged a friend of mine uh, who's doing this like really intensive uh, master's program at Harvard. And I said, I miss you so much. Why aren't we close anymore? Why aren't you why aren't you replying to my text? Why aren't you calling me back? Like why aren't you in my life anymore? He's like took 3 days to reply. In those 3 days, guess what I did? I was like I'm going to block this bitch. Oh, I'm going to unfollow this motherfucker. <laughs> yes, Peace. Yes. See you never. He's never hearing like, from me again. Like thank you so much. <laughs> Bye bitch. And then in that process I was like, okay, I I'm 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 noticing that that part of me, that little hurt, little version mm-hmm. of me, that mm-hmm. young boy who's hurt. You know, okay, and I'm also noticing the young adults that's constantly wanting reality to go by the script that I write in my mind. And if you if people go off the script, how dare you go off the script that I wrote for you in my mind? You are a bad actor, therefore you're cut out of the movie, Saz movie, you're off. Bye, girl. You are replaceable, right? So then in those three days, I went through all those waves and then I arrived at the other side and then 
my friend wrote back. My loves, I don't want to take too much time away from the episode. So just a quick break to give you some delicious information and something that's really exciting me. Listen, we have launched the Somatic Activated Healing Membership and the benefits that the members are sharing with us is so delicious. They're saying it's reduced depression and anxiety, reduced physical pain and sluggishness, increased a sense of resilience, increased joy and inspiration. Hey. We love that. Improved physical health and energy levels. Improved mental health and clarity. And it's deepened their connection to authenticity and self-expression. So all this is a dream come true because I've always wanted to be able to have a sacred school, meet temple, meets dance floor. So all of this coming together, that's what the Somatic Activated Healing Membership is all about. It's helping us take responsibility for what we're carrying and time to say goodbye to the emotional baggage and time to say hello, open heart. Because, you know, the body keeps the score, as we've heard this. The body holds the imprints of our past experiences. And unless you have the tools and the time to process your painful experiences as they happen, it leaves an emotional residue alive in your body, which then turns your body into inflammation, then turns your mind into chaos, therefore closes your heart. Listen, and I've gone through this experience of carrying emotional baggage, a massive heavy load for so much of my life that it was like making my body, I mean, the symptoms were wild, chest pains, cystic acne, gut issues, depression, anxiety, addiction, suicidal radiation, you name it. All of these things were symptoms of unprocessed emotional baggage. So in the Somatic Activated Healing Membership, you have access to a multitude of practices, including the ultimate mind body spiritual workout which is what you're seeing me in the doing that that looks like a, a a sort of a regular dance practice but there's an entire mathematical process happening behind which i can't wait for you to experience it for yourself in the membership you also have access to um, guided meditations master classes spiritual talks courses and live dharma workshops with me once a month Maybe I forgot to say this, but there is somatic activated healing method practices every single day live with teachers from all over the world, honey. And these are epic teachers who I have certified myself, so I fully trust them to deliver this message, to deliver this method. What we also have in the membership is a community page where you get to engage with other members. And we also have weekly inspirational prompts to get you going. So with the whole thing, this entire, you know, uh, uh, dance floor meets temple meets sacred school, the combination of all this together will give you the support to have a robust and foundational spiritual practice that, will, that could literally radically change your life. And you've heard the members, what they're saying, that it's working. So take it from what they're saying, honey. In any case, I love you very much. I hope you keep enjoying the podcast and... We're giving you a seven-day free trial to the membership. So get in there. The link is in the show notes. And um, I hope I get to see you on the dance floor. Big love to you. Peace. So then in those three days, I went through all those waves. And then I arrived at the other side. And then my friend wrote back. I miss you so much, too. I'm sorry I haven't been in touch. I, this program has taken everything I have to be able to get to the other side 
and I'll call you so soon, and I can't wait. And through the through a series of words, mm-hmm. I was able to feel this person's presence and depth and care for me. And I was like, okay, so like, I'm gonna stick to this. I'm gonna, you know, the whole point of what I'm saying, Chris, is that I'm exactly. so aware of who I want to, who are the people that I want to like be close to in my yes. life and who I want to make time for mm-hmm. more and who I don't want to engage with more. Cause shit, it's like, there's a lot of people in our age who don't have friends or have a lot of friends, but no one knows who they truly are, yes. who they can't yeah. hold and be with or like, you know, it's, they're it's very this, delicate. Yes. That's what I've realized too. I'm like, damn, I don't want any more delicate friendships where it's like you have one thing happen and you're done one or like they're annoying one day and you're done or they do one thing they say one thing you don't like and they're done like I want real true genuine friendships that can go the distance through stuff you know that can even you can tell them like you I was about to cut you off there was a part of me that felt so rejected you know being super honest with people like at this point I don't want any just any old friendships that aren't gonna go the distance and that means that I have to be more authentic with myself and I have to be more truthful with myself and I have to be willing to go the distance with people. So when people don't perform in the way that I want them to, say the thing that I want them to, do the exact thing I want them to do for my birthday, whatever the fuck, I have to also be forgiving of that too and let them show up as a human and not as this like idealized projection I have of them of like the perfect friend. Mm-hmm. And that's so hard, right? Like what? Yeah. what's the balance of like letting I go mean, of the script and allowing things to just be- And having and, standards. Exactly. 100%. Having standards, letting the script go off the window and having and like, really like how do we manage that and and there's no sort of unique prescription would you say Mm -hmm. no I don't know I think yeah there's so much there because it's like first of all the conversation about your late 30s and all the things that are going on which is so real and then also there is the conversation around friendship and like allowing people to be who they are I had a situation with a friend where we went on a trip recently or the past year and we went on this trip and they showed this side of them that I had never seen. And it was a side of them that's like very controlling, clean freak, like just kind of in this way that I'd never seen them. And I'm like, (laughs) Oh shit. I know the type. You know what I mean? I'm on vacation, baby. Shoes are going to be places. Plates are, might be out. I'm going to just kind of do my thing. And I was like, wow, this is so fucking crazy because this is driving me insane. You're driving me insane. I'm driving you insane. And it was really beautiful because it gave us this opportunity to be like, oh, we can be in this and still love each other and be like, oh, I'm, I'm truthful about how I feel that this is driving me crazy. Mm-hmm. I'm driving you crazy. Mm-hmm. But we can come and be like, oh, I, st- I love you still. And mm-hmm. it's like before I might be like, I'm not going to say anything to them. They're driving me insane. I'm just going to not hang out with them again. I'm just not going to do anything with them and just would sort of move on from the relationship in this really delicate way. But being able to meet myself in the darkness and be like, yo, I am like sometimes not an integrity. I'm sometimes, you know, a bad person. I'm sometimes all these things and I still love and accept myself. Then I can still love and accept other people. So it really is like, how can we find all the parts of us that we hate, that we think are disgusting, that we think are the worst and really come to love those parts? Cause then that's, and only then we can do that with other people. That's mm, so beautiful. And, and you know what I'm hearing too, as well, it's like you wouldn't through like multiple layers and layers of awakening, we realize that perhaps we haven't been honest with ourselves and that that lack of honesty with parts of ourselves that we don't like 
and we're unwilling to like be like, oh shit, that's I really do that. Damn, yes. I don't like that I do that, but like yeah. always pretending that it doesn't happen, covering it up, and doing that, and then that how that shows up in our relationships with other people and how we then approach life with this sort of replaceable thing. I'm just not going to go with them anymore. Yes. There's no need to, there's no need to call to, to call them out. So there's no need for them to call me out. Let's just keep things very sort of surface level enough surface level surface. And, and it's like that, that sort of like, you know, it's, it's cute and surface at the same time that it's like, Oh my like, God, you're amazing. You're amazing. Yeah. Like I'm obsessed love with you. That. Exactly. You're my sister. You're amazing. That's what I would always hear. You're my sister. You're amazing. I'm obsessed with you. All these things. I'm like, you don't really know me. You know, the like the veneer version of me, which is so amazing. True. But it's like, what if you get past that? And I feel like that would happen in so much friendships where you're like, oh, I wanted to get past that point where you're like, you see me and you're annoyed with me. You see me and you see me doing something. You're like, I don't fuck with that. Mm -hmm. And then you can still love me still. Mm -hmm. And really realizing if you are, you know, for, for everyone who's listening, it's like if you have historically been that person who has been replacing people in your life, like your Starbucks coffee cup in the morning, you got to stop, girl, because you're going to end up alone. I'm telling you right now, you are going to end up alone. And I don't want that. I don't want that to be the mythopoetic vision for your life. I want that to be a life where you are growing old and you have community around and you are in your you know, perhaps I don't wish that for nobody, but it happens to a lot of us. Perhaps you are going to chemotherapy and you have a friend of yours that's driving you. You're going through a season of depression. And someone's coming over to clean the house for you. You are, you know, whatever it may be. But community is the antidote to so many of our problems. Right. And you got to start to have community between you and you first. And then that kind of bridges into every other life. But I think that the risk of calling someone out mm -hmm. because you truly care and because you want the connection to go deeper and deeper and deeper is so vital for the relationship to be, you know, a, a long-term thing. A hundred percent. And I've had to learn to do those conversations. I don't know if you do them a lot with friends, but I was someone that didn't really do them until I got older. Girl, you know, I would, the, I was the replacer queen, honey. A hundred. I was like, bye, thank you. Yes, People next. love me. I'm so likable. Yes. I can make friends anywhere. And then you realize like, oh shit, like everything is just so superfluous. Yes. No. Yes. Yeah. And so I had to learn to have the conversations and I've had amazing friends that have taught me you know, that have been able to call me out and just be like, hey, I just want to talk about something that I have a charge around. You know, you said this or you did this. And it's one of those things that gets like, the more you do it, the less charge you have. And when you can really be with yourself and be like, no matter what, I'm not going to abandon you. Like little Krista, I'm not going to leave you. Even if she says something that's true, that's not true. I've got you. And I had to come to that before I could really metabolize those um, mm -hmm. and metabolize feedback and metabolize those type of conversations. But that's like, it's funny because we talk about all the spiritual things and all the things in life. Having hard conversations and being honest to people that you love is one of the hardest things you could do. Like literally, it's like, we're like, oh, let's go to the moon on plant medicine. Let's not drink. Let's do all these things tell someone that you really love and care for something that is deeply honest and truthful that could risk the relationship. Goodbye. That is so freaking hard. Go off, honey. Cause like, literally that is like literally like I put that on the, on the highest pedestal. I'll, you know, like literally that in the, 
so-called psycho-spiritual yes. healing work. We're not learning. And I should take that back. Not we're not. I think so many of us are realizing that it, that is one of the biggest problems we have. Our, our, our unwillingness and our um, myopic view and our polarizing view and our colonizing condition and indoctrinated and poisonous tongue and view that keeps us separate and doesn't, you know, urges us and invite us to actually have the hard conversations. That is the only way that you're going to fucking learn some shit. Yo, I feel like social media has also influenced that because it's like you're friends with people on social media. You go to like follow and you're like friends and then you comment. You're like, love this girl. Like, love it. Love you so much. Like, I feel like it's making us have a wide net that again is really delicate. It's like you don't have these deep, meaningful relationships because you're like, oh, follow block, follow block, bye. <laughs> follow block, follow, bye. you know, follow, like, don't care, <laughs> don't care. I'll like leave them. And it's making us think it's normal, but it's like to have the depth, you have to be willing to go there. But yeah, it's fucking so hard. Mm -hmm. It is really, really hard. I was late to coming to record the podcast today. I was late. And I said late is great. Yeah. You said late is great, but you were like in the 10 minute mark. But when I pulled no, no, up I 27 like, minutes late, I don't think you're expecting oh, I, that. Oh, I, I fully was. And I liked it. Okay. Fine. I love when people are late. Well, you were like one of a kind. You were like true. Like I want to liberate the anxiety people have when they're late because I fucking hate that feeling. Well, thank you. So thank you for that. And also not thank you because you are enabling me to mm -hmm. keep perpetuating a cycle of lateness, which keeps me addicted to cortisol. So yeah, no true. thanks, honey. That's true. I should have shamed you. Yeah, exactly. No, 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 we please don't. No. We uh, should have kept the door locked. Yeah. Me and <laughs> so, but the point, what I'm saying is I was in a deep process with my partner where I was hearing really hard things that I do that are so unconscious for me. And it, I was in, in this, I was hearing it and yeah. it was landing so deeply that my eyes were like about to pop out of my face and my jaw was like gagged to such a point that I was like, oh my God, I do all these things and they're so unconscious and you're finally having the courage to tell me all this stuff. And I was learning so deeply about myself that I was like, Krista, I know this bitch isn't deep in the work. She is going to understand when mm -hmm. I tell her that this is what was happening. I was like learning through hard conversation. Yep. I was being called out on a behavior that happens so unconsciously for me that I am so unaware because I think I'm doing the right thing. But it's like there is a, a texture of not so cute, honey. Mm -hmm. And I was being called out on it. And it was like, oh, damn. This is hard. But in the moment of me, you said it. Can I hear the hard thing and not believe that the hard thing that they're telling me is the truth of who I am? Can I hear the hard thing as a, and immediately, what's the word you use? Metabolize. Can I metabolize what I'm hearing? The problem is so many of us are fucking spiritually, psychologically constipated that we're not listening to shit. We can't take in anything else, honey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just too much. And like, well, because also too, if you have your e ego, your ego is like anything that's going to tell me I'm not whatever is not okay. And you think you're the things. 
And once you do any of the work, you're like, oh, I'm not the sister, mother, spiritual teacher, whatever. I'm so much more. And also it's like, how is this an opportunity for me to come home to myself, to be closer with them? And it also doesn't mean what they're saying is true. Mm-hmm. So also they can say what they want to say, but it doesn't also mean that what they're saying is true. So you can also be like, oh, I totally hear that and I respect that and I love that, but I'm not going to change who I am, mm-hmm. you know? So it doesn't mm-hmm. mean everyone's right, but mm-hmm. I mean, that's like the work is being able to be and stay in your heart in hard times and in hard moments. So good for you for taking the feedback from your mans. Yeah, I. it was... You know, and I love that you named that too. That's like, you know, we're only living through our own projections and like the, 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 the our projections are, are impure to the degree that we are unwilling to look at our shadow, befriend our demons, yep. you know, go to do the deep inner work. So the more that we do this work, the more our projections are pure, the more we are actually perceiving reality through the lens of the heart, not through the, you know, colonized you know, painful view of the mind. Right. And, and then also realizing that sometimes we can't see shit for ourselves Mm -hmm. and somebody else has to be call us out on the stuff, you know? And also the more we, we purify our perceptions, the more we can actually say, you know what? Thank you for saying what you're saying, but no thanks girl. Cause that is not, I I've already, I'm uh, uh, uh. Mm uh-uh. you're inviting me to this level that you're at, but I'm unwilling to go there because I've been there already. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I've had friends do clearing, like try and have clearing conversations that are just fully, inaccurate reads too so it's like okay you know you're reading something this way I'm reading something this way I can take that on and tend to the part of you that's activated right now Mm -hmm. and see that part of you that is seeing something that I'm not and not negate it or debate it but like just be with it and be like okay it's almost nice because you're like that's such a projection I'm I'm endearing. (laughs) This is endearing to me. Mm -hmm. You know, like this part is endearing to me, but then people can spit some major truth that can like change your life. Like Mm -hmm. I've been so grateful for the feedback that I've been giving by the people that I trust. And I think that's the biggest point here is like having your circle of people that you're like, you can give me feedback and I can give you feedback. So it's like not having, you know, this person that you just met being like, Hey girl, can I give you feedback? It's like, no, bitch, I don't care about your feedback. I don't know you. I don't trust you. You haven't Spirit seen me. told me. Oh my God. Do you get those? Oh, honey, don't come for me. Don't come. I'm like, don't you think my guides are talking me. to you? Spirit told me to tell you this. And like, <laughs> and I'm not, I'm like, it sounds like I'm mocking it. And it is a little bit like, you know, sassy for me to say this and a little bitchy, but it just like, unless you have a deep intimate relationship with somebody or you, that's what you do for work. Don't come for somebody who you just met at a festival and say, spirit told me. Spirit told me that I should be on your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) You probably get that a lot. I mean. I mean, I do too. Yeah, you you get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's Kim over here sitting across from us. She's like, bitch. (laughs) Yeah. People be bombarding it. Gotta have spiritual hygiene, honey. Yeah. But listen, let's kind of like circle back to one last thing about the darkness. Like, Like, what is the biggest takeaway from having spent time in the darkness? I think I was really amazed and blown away. And something that I could really take with me forever was witnessing myself go through this process of feeling and healing that it was almost like 
I was like being puppeteered through a process of grief where I would be resting and I'd be, you know, just in, in a moment and then I'd get up and I would feel a big emotion and have the fear of like, it's never going to end. I'm so scared. This is so painful. And then going over the waterfall to feel that emotion, being on my knees, just like in it, crying, recovering, taking a bath, eating a meal, resting again. Like the cycle of healing and being in the body and being in the work that I was going through repeatedly was just so beautiful. And I was like, wow, this is what it is. It's actually not being in feeling the whole time. It's actually having moments of respite. It's actually having moments of peace. It's actually having moments of rest. It's actually having moments of, you know, being in a bath and just kind of chilling. And and that's really how life is. It's like the seasons and cycles that we go through where we're, when we're in the moment on our knees, crying and just like in the feeling, in a few moments it'll pass and you'll be eating soup on the stoop and just restoring and resting. And so I was just really amazed at how I could really mother myself and be with myself in the process of feeling and healing. And it felt really complete and it felt really embodied and it felt really, it just felt really, really nice to give myself that opportunity that I don't think I really give myself that often to feel in that way. Mm, thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I can see the, the, we call it in the, in, 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 the Buddhist jargon words, um, equanimity. Yeah. This like inner psychological stability yeah. that you have mm. developed, strengthened, cultivated by being in a darkness. Thank you know. You. So hell yeah. Yeah. It's it's such a gift. I think choosing to be with yourself and your mind in that way like that is like no joke. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I wouldn't recommend it to many people because it is really the hardest thing that I think many people could ever do because mm -hmm. we have so much distraction, mm -hmm. caffeine, phones, work, relationships, temperature, you know, pornography. whatever, pornography, alcohol, drugs, alcohol, drugs, and to take all of that away and just be truly Music, with, with Netflix, your mind. Yes. Blah, blah, blah. This goes on. And Everything on. is yeah. like really, really crazy. And, you know, for the listener, I think if you are able to spend literally one hour doing nothing yeah mm -hmm. that is already your own little glimpse of the darkness mm -hmm. retreat mm -hmm. you know and just laying there looking at the ceiling and just like being with whatever mm -hmm. comes and greeting everything that comes like hey you're welcome here mm -hmm. hey you're welcome here that is your own little version right yeah it is it's welcoming everything every thought every emotion and just yeah not running from it all you know i think is is the thing but I don't think there's anything quite like the dark, but you can have your own sort of experience for sure. You know, like developing the inner stability to befriend every demon yeah. without pathologizing or yeah. demonizing yeah. the demons, but inviting, as Rumi says, as a friend who's here visiting you from the beyond. And then I've, I've taken the guest house poem to a, a, an even uh, another level to say, you know, my, the way I metabolize and digest it and embody that, it's like, and he says, so he says this in a poem too, he's like, you've invited them, mm -hmm. you know, the, they're here because you've invited yes. them. And, and it's really interesting to think that every thought, every feeling, everything that we are experiencing in our lives, we have some fucking how invited into mm -hmm. our lives. And this opens you up to like, look at ancestral trauma, transgenerational 
trauma, things that are in your family tree. Also, if you have a more esoteric view, past lives and yada, yada, yada. But, you know, it, it just opens you up to kind of see everything to a more sort of like layered lens that, wow, if this is here, it's because perhaps maybe it's the previous iteration of Sa or the previous iteration mm -hmm. of Krista has sent out a fucking invitation for it to come and visit me in 2020 fucking three at this yeah. exact time when I'm walking through Whole Foods and just getting my fucking anxiety tincture and my fucking papaya and my peanut butter. Bye, bitch. But no, I got flooded with the fucking flashback of the shit. It's like, no, why? But then instead of saying why, just say, okay, cool. You're here. You're a friend. I've invited you. Somehow someone sent an invitation for you to come here. So let me just like welcome you in. You know, we spent our whole lives distracting ourselves from all of the visitors. Mm -hmm. You know, why? Yeah, and once you see them and integrate them and love them, usually they go away. Or usually they're just like there and you can befriend them. And I think that's the point. But I think the most important part and why I love internal family systems is like having the the center self helps you to be like, that's not me. You know, so you can think the thought in Whole Foods that's like, oh, I'm like a piece of shit. And I forgot I was a piece of shit. And you, you know <laughs> what I mean? And you're be like, oh, that's not me. That's the visitor. Like that's here. And so it's like having that core you and finding that is, is like some of the most important work I think we can have. Okay, so we're coming up to the last 10 minutes of the show. I want to ask you, how the fuck did you get to be so wise? Like what cracked, what happened that prompted you in this direction? Um, how did I get to be so wise? I think the work that I do provides me opportunity to connect with amazing people all the time, like yourself. And I feel so grateful that I get to have a lot of my work be education and learning. That was like my deepest desire in my life is to do something with purpose. So being around teachers like yourself has been incredibly um, instrumental for that. And then I think also in like as a 360 on the other side of that, it's like turning everything off to actually listen to myself. And I think that's what I've been really obsessed with lately is like not consuming anyone else's content, not consuming anything else, not consuming anybody's books, anybody's podcasts, anything else even in our realm because I've noticed that it's really skewed my perspective on things. And I've also noticed it's really like made me feel insecure about sharing the things that I share because I'm like, oh, they've already said it. People have already said it, but whenever we live our lives, it's really important that we have seasons of going out there and learning and growth, and then to run it through our own algorithm and run it through our own system to make it our own teaching. But we can't just keep stuffing ourselves with so much shit and so much information. We have to like allow it to be true for us at some point and allow ourselves to embody it. Mm -hmm. But was there a point that you knew that you had like, you know, cause like with almost 30, yeah. Um, you, of course you are learning and, and, and educating and being inspired all this stuff. But was there a point in your life that something just was like, Oh shit. Like, yeah. Like, you know, like, like <laughs> something I'm doing this. If you're listening, I'm like doing this like neck thing. I'm like, you know, like yeah, something just cracks. Like, you know, like, yeah, I'm like, I'm smart. Exactly. Like, Oh shit. I know. Like, She's oh. now wise. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. you know, like I, yeah. I don't know the exact moment, but it, it was a moment I was living at the Omega Institute upstate New York, living out of a tent. And, amazing. and I w had been like t in and out of India for like six times at this point was had spent, uh, you know, in and out of India to, for had been in and out of India for two and a half years. And, and then I'm living at upstate at the Omega Institute 
And this is a place that like now I get asked to teach my photos in a catalog. I'm next to all the, the big OG spiritual teachers. It's like completely insane. And also it's like, okay, girl, I'm leaving my dream. That's I'm leaving my dharma. That's why these dreams are coming true. But I remember teaching a class um, for the staff, for the meaning the people that worked at Omega. When you are when you are when you're a staffer there, you have an opportunity to teach classes there for other staffers. Mm -hmm. So I'm teaching a class, and 30 people came, and people had the most raving things to say about it. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I felt so energized, so alive. It was my first time ever teaching, and I was like, oh, "This is what I'm meant to be doing. Mm -hmm. This is me. I can actually. I'm able to digest this shit, and I'm able to." inspire people with mm -hmm. what's being digested in me you, wow so that moment you know and that was like 2017 that's six, like the click yeah that's you're when like this clicked. is it yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah, click yeah i think mine has probably been there have been a few moments interviewing where i've had the click where i'm like oh this is what i'm meant to be doing because i just like i love questions and people and learning and then probably when we went on tour you know we went on tour for almost 30 years ago, I was working a full-time job in the corporate world. We went on two world tours when I was working a corporate job full-time. I was the worst employee, but, um, just being on tour and meeting people in person and like being able to really be with people in a way of service and a way of joy and a way of inspiration or whatever it was, was like fucking it for me. I was like, this is it. Like just feeling like I could be the most, I could be myself and that was all that I needed to do. Like, mm -hmm. oh my God. Mm -hmm. Like all you need to do is be yourself was like, it was just the dream. So I think probably on tour. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you for saying, thank you for naming that. Cause it's, I feel like it's important for people to like re have these like moments of like knowing that they have changed. Yeah. I, I, and I'm really grateful you're bringing it up too, because I was with Sahara a few weekends ago and she, we were with a group and she's like, of all the people that are here, you've changed the most. And I'm like, what? I can't see it. You know, cause you're with yourself every day. I'm like, I'm still wearing slobby sweats. I'm still like <laughs> doing this thing. And it's, it's so important to have relationships or reflections or just invitations for that. And, and to have people that can help you do signposts. Like, Hey, do you remember when we were talking about this? I have a dear friend that just moved to Malibu and I was like, baby, do you remember we were dreaming? We were on the beach saying you wanted to move to Malibu and here we are. It's like having that for yourself, but having that for the people in your life to remember, like, so you just don't have life pass you by and you're like, wait, what? Mm -hmm. My dreams are here and I didn't even realize it. Mm -hmm. mm. Thank you. Thank mm -hmm. you. Thank you. Thank you. We talked a lot, about, a lot about friendship today, which is very sweet, very needed. Oh, friendship's to have. huge. Yeah. I think so many people are going through friendship transformations right now, mm -hmm. wanting more depth and more intimacy and more truth and more honesty and uh, feeling really alone in friendships and having also friendship breakups, a lot of friendship breakups too. Yeah. There's a stats in the US that one out of every four people have no one to talk to. You know, so when you walk into a room with four people, one out of those people have no one mm -hmm. to talk to. Wow. You know, it's like, so hard for me to understand that. Like you walk into a like it's insane. I know. Like literally, you know, if there was a fourth person in this room, one of us don't have anyone to talk to. Yeah. One of us are is going through life completely alone, is going yeah. through life all like. You know, like it's you know, one of the reasons why trauma is so severe and so um heavy 
And so severe and heavy, yes, but so uh, it, it replays and it, it has this texture of, of, it leads us to ruminate. It's because when the pain happens, we don't have anyone to share it with. Mm-hmm. And having that, the burden being shared as it happens is such a, a powerful way to start to unhook ourselves from overly identifying with the pain, mm-hmm. with the trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, so friendship is key mm-hmm. for the process. Community you know? is key yeah. too. I think it's a Western thing too. You know, we just are in our own worlds. We're in our own houses, in our own boxes in the suburbs, just kind of cruising around. And I don't think we've prioritized community enough. So I, I, it makes perfect sense, especially with social media and the internet in the world today that people feel lonelier than ever yeah and that leads to another stats real quick that says heck yeah stats i mean just another through. one because i'm like so amazed by this 60 percent of americans die alone i mean that kind of i can't it's hard to even hear that it, it you you know i see my i mean what grandparent in the you know you see people in homes and it's painful yeah. makes me emotional it's yeah. just so wrong and sad and weird and i think we're just a world of convenience too where we're like yeah that you know we're young now we don't want to deal with it we just negate and neglect old people and the like older people in like the weirdest cruelest way and we don't make time for connection huh it's Mm -hmm. like i it's so much everyone's so busy with like being an entrepreneur and like starting their own business and 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 it's a fine line that I'm learning to navigate. Yeah. You know, I'm in question. I'm in inquiry about this very often. And the people who here are the people who are closest to me and also my teachers. And this is like really interesting paradox of like, like, do I have to express myself? And do I have to make a business out of expressing myself? Yeah. Or can I just like, so I don't, it's a, it's That's an inquiry, mm-hmm. you know, that like, because the more we prioritize our some sometimes I have crossed that bridge where I'm not prioritizing my work more than connection, you know, but I was, I was an extreme workaholic and because I'm, we're helping people, it, we have an excuse, right. To just workaholic the fuck out of life. You know, it's huge. I think it's too interesting for what we do because <clears throat> we work with people that are cool and inspiring and you know, that we get along with and all these things. And so it really mixes business and pleasure in this really weird way where you're like, am I working? Is this, you know what I mean? You'll hang out with people and you're like, is this work? Because we're both benefiting from, you know, it's like, are we talking about work? Are we not? And it can be really tricky and funky and it can make it really beautiful because I feel so grateful that I'm around people that are in service. But then sometimes it can be like, are they using me? Am I, you know what I mean? It just can kind of. Mm-hmm. Or like, are we just working? Like, are what is this? Yeah. You know, yeah. you're like, is life just about about working? Yes. And like, is this even genuine anymore? Yes. Is this are we actually serving people or just serving this like ego mind? Exactly. You know. So it's this really interesting. We have to. We all have to like question that part of us. You know, like what's the like why am I doing it? Remembering the why, right? And then. And then checking in, I have been, have you become consumed with being admired and celebrated? Can you go without being admired and celebrated? You know? I mean, that's huge. Yeah. That is like the, why the guru can be so challenging in the space or the spiritual ego can be so challenging in the space because it's such the fine line. Yeah. I'm here in service. I'm here in service. Oh yeah. You're doing a great job. You're getting validation. And the ego is like, yeah, more, 
more exactly. and more. Yeah. And then we become addicted to it. A hundred percent. And here, here we go from being addicted to drugs and alcohol to now being addicted to. Oh yeah. The validation. I Ugh. mean, it's huge. The, the we way- didn't talk about your sobriety. Oh Shit. yes. Next one. Fuck. Okay. Next one. Okay. Before we go real quick, tell me about a mystical experience that you've had that you feel comfortable sharing. Okay. Mystical experience that I've had that I feel comfortable sharing. Um, Okay. So I think what we were talking, I mentioned before, but it's so funny because I think in our own experience, in our own mind's eye, we can have experiences happen so much, but we can feel like it's normal or we can feel like everyone has them. And sometimes in our space, I'll sometimes get insecure where I compare myself to other people's where they're like, I walked in and I saw, you know, mm-hmm. St. Francis and they were you know, putting a crown on my head and whatever. And you're like, wait, what? And you can kind of get insecure. You're like, St. Francis wasn't here for me. Like Jesus wasn't here for me. And so it can be one of those things where people can use it as a way to like feel better than, but, um, I've had a lot of mystical experiences in my life. I think one of my favorite ones is that I have been visited a lot by, um, like aliens entities most of my life, but I've been too scared to engage with them or interact with them. And it's been something I really wanted to work on because I've been so fearful of it. And so I've been really working on like astral travel and just being comfortable being out of my body and being able to come and anchor back home. So I was in Italy this summer and I fell asleep the first night and it was the very first time I've ever had because they've came a few times and it's either been very scary or it's been like made me uncomfortable And there was like these beautiful blue lights that came down and there was just like the warmest feeling in the world, like the most peaceful feeling in the world. And I could hear, you know, do you want to come? And I was like for able to be conscious in my conscious mind with the astral travel and be like, yeah, I want to go. And then I left and I don't remember what happened after that, but it was the first time I was able to like actually leave and like be abducted and be with um, aliens and feel comfortable and like grounded in my decision and sovereign in it. Wow. Yeah, okay. it was cool. I feel like we need an entire episode of just about alien that. stuff. Yes. Oh but you know what's God. funny? And then I went to Six Senses two months later and aliens came and I've I've never Six Senses, which one? Ibiza. In, in Ibiza. And I've never felt more scared in my life. <gasps> I literally couldn't sleep the entire night. I almost left. Yeah, it was crazy. Oh, it, but that's what happens is the ego's like, I can do it. I can be with aliens. And then this world is 3D. There's dark and there's light. So then the dark comes and they're like, yo, what's up? You hey want to play? And I'm like, I can do it. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, I'm turning on all the lights. I literally was up watching like the Kardashians to like bring me back to my body. I was like, oh. so it's you don't want to play with stuff like that but yeah alien stuff is probably like my favorite oh my god okay we definitely need to talk about it wow well thank you so much this has been so fun i'm so grateful oh my god thank you thank you for like doing the show at your house in your couch where you feel you know i was gonna say at home because this is your home i love just being on the couch i'm like this has been so thank you so much what a joy thank Thank you you very much i'm excited to hear what you and ben were talking about after this so i'm grateful but (laughs) i'm so grateful to know you and it's been such a pleasure and I'm just so grateful to God for like bringing us into each other's lives at like the perfect time to really see the truth and I just trust so much of my journey and my path and it's moments like these where I can be reminded like okay you're going to see the right people at the right time you're going to be seen by the right people at the right time and just knowing that as I move closer to my authenticity that the right people will see me amen sis and me too the feeling is mute Mutual. Mutual. Yeah. Okay, guys. Well, we love you. Love you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Ta-ta. 
Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I mean, honey, this was lit. I love you, Mina. And remember, please go rate, review, and subscribe the episode and share, subscribe to the podcast and share this episode with everyone if it touched you, if it really like struck a chord in you, if it resonated with you. All right. Krista, thank you so much for being on the episode, being on the podcast. I loved every moment of it. 